0: Amen, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Man, we're so glad that you are here at Northside Baptist Church this morning. Um, we welcome our home folks. We're so excited to have you as a guest. If you're one of our guests, we're, we're very um, pleased that you're here. You've chosen to join us and worship with us at Northside. If you are one of our guests, I ask that you take uh, just a portion of your bulletin, if you don't mind. and there's There's a little tear-out portion there. Fill that out. Give us some of your contact information so we know who you are how we can reach out to you and minister to you and uh, we'd, love, we'd love for you to do that you can place it in the offering plate and give it to one of the ministers at the, at the door at the end of the service but right now we want to take this time just to greet each other and so if you will uh, find someone and let them know that you're excited to, to be in the house of the Lord this morning
1: look like you're bound for the promised land like you're bound for Disney like there's a lot of stuff to worry about a lot of planning
0: school lessons and the sermon that you've given us to help these tithes and offerings to further your kingdom. ask our children to join me in our children's message this morning. Good morning. Good morning. You're scooting away from me. I know. How are you doing today? How are the rest of you doing today? All right. All right. Look, I've got a little, I've got a little trinket here. Has anybody ever seen something like this before? Well, I know you have. Anybody that's not related to me ever seen something like this before? Anybody, anybody over here ever seen this? You know what it is. What is it? It's a part of a game. It's a part of a game. What game? No. What's the name of the game? Uh, Me either. Um, But uh, yeah. So this little, you you see this? These these two little wooden balls here that are attached by a chain. Uh, They're kind of. It's it's stuck on here, right? It's stuck. You're supposed to get that out. Do you want to try to do you want to try to get that off? I didn't ask you. Do you want to try to take that off of there? No. Any anybody want to try? You want to try? Now here's the thing. There's one way you can do it. You just yank the you know yank it for all it's worth, and then it's broken, and BJ has to come up with something else for for the uh, message. But uh, you know, pass it around. Look at it. Make sure it's it's on there. You know how do you? How do you take that? How do you get that off of there? Or is it even possible? Is it possible to get it off of there? You think it's possible? Without breaking it, right? Without breaking it. You have to push it. You have to have to push it right through there. I think there's a much easier way to get it. I think there's a much easier way for that to happen. Oh, we're gonna push. Let me see it just for a second here. All right. Anybody else want to try it? Did you want to try it? Did you want to try it, Eddie? See if it'll pop out. Oh, it'll go without popping it. I think it will. I think it will. You want to try it? You want to try to take it off of there? You know how to pop it? I know you do. I bet you can. That's not going to work, Brooklyn. All right. You want to try it? You think you can do it? What are you folding the chain? What in the world are you doing? What are you doing? Huh? Well, you're doing something different, that's for sure. My goodness, is that even possible? Is it possible to get it off of there? It is. Let me see. Well, Hannah, you were close. You were close. Now, I should have practiced before I came in here, right? But I think you do something like this, and then it comes right off of there. Hey. Yeah, there was... There was just a trick involved. You didn't have to pop it at all, you know. You didn't have to just press that as hard as you could. It just slipped off. Well, listen, this is just a little little game. A little they call it a brain teaser, you know, because it teased with your brain a little bit. There you go. You want to hold that for the rest of this uh, sermon? All right. Now, so listen. That that seemed like it was really hard to do, but you know, one of the things that that reminds me of is there are some things that happen sometimes. Listen, there's some things we think are. Listen, look we think are impossible we think there's some things that we just can't do come on over this way we think there's some things that just can't be done listen let me ask you this question is anything impossible for God now the Bible even tells us the Bible tells us that with God all things are possible says that nothing is impossible without God nothing is impossible without God with God with God all things are possible I want you to remember that. When you face a difficult day, when you have a hard time doing something, you just think, with God, all things are possible. That's a scripture that you can put in your mind and put in your heart and remember. Okay? Can you do that? I, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to need, I'm going to need all the parts of that little trinket, that little toy. I'm going to need all those parts back, okay? All both of them. Alright? That's right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these children who are here today. I thank you for uh, the opportunity to come up and just talk a little bit about, well, about the Bible and about Jesus. God, help us remember that all things are possible with God. And it's in, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Salvation rolling free Highest hills and deepest caves This is our song of victory Jesus saves Jesus
0: saves yeah, You know, there used to be a preacher that would stand here and have a comment about singing about the rolling tide, but I'm not going to comment. If y'all would please turn to the Book of Acts chapter 16 I remain standing for the reading of God's word Acts 16:11 through 12 Then setting sail from Troas we ran a straight course to Samothrace the next day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi a Roman colony which is a leading city of that district of Macedonia we stayed in that city a number of days Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Illuminate your word today that we, may, that we may learn, that we may become more obedient to your call. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Now what a strange passage to choose out of this entire chapter to read. Well, that's because we're going to go through the rest of it, and I thought... You probably didn't want to hear me butcher the rest of the names that are in this chapter
2: <clears throat>
0: Like Samothrace Is that right? I just say it with confidence and you'll have to believe it's right But no, this is, this is a passage that we have here um, if, if you were with us last week If you remember that uh, there was a letter sent out from the church in Jerusalem uh, Saying that the folks did not have to follow all the, all of the law They basically did not have to convert to Judaism in order to be part of the church. And so here we are today, now moving on. Now, there's a a brief little passage here that talks about how Paul chose Timothy to come and go with him. I'm I'm not going to speak to that. You can read it. I'm not going to speak to that, but then it talks about how now they're moving on. They're moving on to the continent of Europe. Now, in the first century, they didn't have to cross any lines that said, Entering Europe. Or anything in that regard it wasn't Europe but we look back on the map today and we see that they have now crossed over into Europe and began evangelizing there but what we what we have here are the very beginnings of the church in Philippi so Paul and his entourage Paul and Silas and Timothy and what now appears to be Luke as well is joining them they've gone into the city of Philippi and they are going to proclaim the gospel in Philippi now what we what we'll see here in in this first in this first portion this first little story uh, the story of Lydia is that they they didn't go they didn't go into the synagogue it says in verse 13 on the Sabbath day we went outside the city gate by the river where we thought there was a place of prayer we sat down and spoke to the women gathered there now that may not sound like a lot of information for us but when you If you stop and you study a little bit about the first century you study about uh, Jewish culture you'll understand what's going on here probably now I can't say with 100% certainty but probably what took place there was no synagogue there was no synagogue in Philippi you would need a gathering first of all uh, you would need at least a quorum of ten men in order to have the synagogue and it says that they gathered there were there were women so there apparently were godly women who would gather on the Sabbath and discuss the things of God and maybe pray over each other, and, and it says that they thought there was a gathering of prayer. So that's where they went. They went to this, this gathering that was outside of the city. Um, why was it outside of the city? Well, they didn't want to create a disturbance in a Roman-governed or Roman-controlled area, and so they go outside of the city to maintain the peace where they can still come and gather Discuss the things of God and pray together. <clears throat> so they, so so this this group, Paul and Silas, Luke, Timothy, and whomever else, go and and they they meet with the women there. Verse 14, he says, a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth, from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God, was listening. Now this is this is the beginnings of the church in Philippi, and Luke. Records for us three um,
1: three converts
0: Lydia, and so let's look and see what we can learn about Lydia. Lydia says that she was a dealer in purple cloth. She was from the city of Thyatira. So she was not from that area, but she was from another area, uh, probably Greek in uh, in her culture. But she was a prominent lady. Evidently, she was a prominent lady. She was probably wealthy. We'll see a little bit later. She had a home large enough to invite the folks to her home. But she was, she was prominent, probably wealthy. It's possibly that she was a widow. And we don't know that for any certainty. She could have been... Uh, She she could have very well been married And her husband just not there But she's a dealer in purple cloth And like I said earlier There was apparently no synagogue We learn all of this in the first portion here Of this this passage Because as I said There would need a quorum of ten men But look at verse 14 Verse 14 the, The latter half of that verse As she was gathered there And as she was listening We get this It says The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. In just this little little scene, this, this little portion of Scripture, we learn an incredibly valuable lesson when it comes to evangelism and sharing the gospel. That is, while you and I may be a vessel, while you and I may be may be a tool in the hand of God to carry the message. It's, it's not dependent upon us. Some other person's salvation is not dependent upon me. I, I'm not the one to coerce. I'm not the one to convince. But it's the Lord who opens the heart. She was there. She heard what Paul had to say. Paul was speaking. But it's very clear that, that the Lord opened her heart. When it comes to salvation, it's not all about you or me it doesn't rest upon us i don't know what runs through your mind when you think of that but that should encourage you it should encourage you to share the gospel because when when the gospel is not received then it's not because you didn't speak eloquently enough it's not because you didn't say the right things you share the gospel and you leave it upon the holy spirit to convict and to con and, and to convert I've said before, if I have to manipulate you to make a decision, then I'm going to have to convince you to stick with that decision. But when the Lord changes your heart, your heart is truly transformed. And I don't have to convince you otherwise. I'm not good enough to do that. So I'm glad it doesn't rest upon me. And then what we see is... As we move forward is that she was baptized and her household was baptized now what I assume by that just from looking at the rest of the gospel uh, from the rest of the New Testament and the rest of the the story in the book of Acts is perhaps her household included some of her children perhaps it included some servants but I'm gonna assume that they were all baptized that they all became believers in Christ that day that they all accepted Jesus Christ as Messiah as their Savior and Lord they were all baptized And then it says that after they were baptized, she said, If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. She persuaded them to stay at her house. This is perhaps the very first location of the church in Philippi. Did they gather there every week and have services there? I don't know. They certainly gathered there for a moment. When the heart was opened, did you see that? When the heart was opened, now her house was opened as well. One of the other reasons that I thought perhaps she was a widow is she had the authority, apart from her husband, to invite them to come, to be a part of, to come and visit their house. So we learn this. When it comes to salvation, it's not all about you. It's not all dependent upon you. But we also learn this.
1: Lydia she's prominent probably
0: wealthy but she needed salvation too she needed salvation too and salvation came to her now let's look at the now let's look at this next character verse 16 says this once as we were on our way to prayer a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction she made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling I'm going to stop right there our second person that we encounter here is a slave girl possessed by a spirit of prediction possessed by a demon she was manipulated perhaps abused if not physically at least emotionally mentally certainly she was exploited she owned nothing she didn't really even own herself you see it says that her owners made a large profit from her fortune-telling. She had no dignity. We don't even even get her name. There's a great movie, Ben-Hur. Don't know if you've seen it. Not the one that came out a couple of years ago. I've never seen that one. Can't can't advocate at all for it. But the one that came out several years ago, Ben-Hur. Charlton Heston plays... Judah Ben-Hur, and there's this particular scene in which he knows that his mom and sister have, well, they've, they've developed leprosy. They've been inflicted with leprosy, and there's a leper's colony, a valley of the lepers. Um, and so he wants to go visit them. As he's walking through trying to find his mom and, and daughter, uh, excuse me, and, and sister, his mom and his sister, uh, he's asking if anybody had heard if, has, anybody, has, has anybody heard of them and he, he calls them by name and he says no no I'm talking about of the, of the her family and there's a there's another leper who walks by at about that time and he just says something that to me is, is one of the most gripping uh, statements in, in all of can I say cinematic history I I don't know It's just It's a very gripping statement It's a very sad statement He simply says There are no names here And he keeps moving on You see the The lepers have been stripped Of all of their Dignity And all of their worth And all of their value So much that They didn't even Weren't even dignified With a name And that's what I think of With this slave girl She's got nothing She's got absolutely nothing. We have no names here. Now, what happens next is pretty miraculous. Verse 17, as she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the slaves of the Most High God. It says that she did this for many days. And Paul was greatly aggravated and turned to the Spirit, now notice there, he's not aggravated with the girl because it says he turned to the spirit. He's aggravated with the spirit. He turns, turning to the spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. And I have to wonder, did Luke and Silas and some of the others say, why didn't you do that a few days ago? <clears throat> but anyway, he, he, calls, he calls on the name of Jesus, and the demon is cast out. Now, as you go on through the story, there's there's a question that comes to my mind because I told you there's a story here of three salvations, three people who experienced freedom. We talked about Lydia. Was Was the slave girl, was she saved as far as salvation in the name of Jesus Christ? Luke doesn't specifically say that here. He doesn't say that she became a believer in Jesus Christ. But again, verse 18, it was in the name of Jesus that the demon was cast out. And in the name of Jesus there's power. There's freedom. There's grace, and love and hope and joy. In the name of Jesus, all of these can be yours. There's restoration, there's peace. There's life in the name of Jesus. We don't get we don't get the rest of the story that that she Repented of sin and turned to jesus for her salvation But I have to believe that at the name of jesus she experienced some freedom that she had never Experienced before or hadn't been in a long time and i'm not going to tell you right now With hundred percent certainty that she is a believer and a, a member of the church But it would just seem odd to me that luke would include this story if she wasn't She heard the name of jesus and she experienced some freedom and i'll leave it at that verse 17 It's another question. Verse 17, did the demon evangelize? This seems weird. Why would the demon go around talking about the people of God and and proclaiming their message for them? And I have to say this, I believe that he wasn't evangelizing so much as he was attempting to undermine, he was attempting to associate the the message of the cross, the message of the church with the occult. Trying to undermine them that's what I think was happening with the demon but here for me is an incredible statement look at verse 19 when her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities bringing them before the chief magistrates they said these men are seriously disturbing our city they are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as romans to adopt or practice did you see that when her, when her owners when her owners realized when they saw their hope of profit was gone there's no joy there was no rejoicing that this person who had been enslaved by this demon, is now free? There was outrage. There was outrage. And so they grabbed these men and took them to the magistrates. It was outrage because their hope of profit was gone. I want you to think, you ever heard of this organization the Center for Medical Progress Center for Medical Progress back in 2014 they went undercover with some video you've probably heard of this next organization they went into several different Planned Parenthood organizations and buildings you've probably heard of them the Center for Medical Progress whether what they did was legal or not, I am not an expert in the law. But one thing they certainly did was reveal some atrocities that are taking place in our country. I'm not going to stand here before you and encourage you to watch those videos. They're still available. I watched portions of some, and it will absolutely churn your stomach. But what happened in my mind is a lot like what happened in verse 19 when our owners saw that their hope of profit was gone well they came out in full attack that's what happened uh, in in, in light of these videos being released folks realized that oh I may not be making as much money as I once was my hope of profit may be gone but I'm here to say when it comes to seeing someone rescued when it comes to the name of Jesus when it comes to someone receiving freedom and hope and restoration and life I don't care about prophets and we shouldn't either as a country as a church we shouldn't care about prophets to the point that we neglect people but moving on so they are arrested and they're flogged and they're taken into the inner chambers of the prison and there's a jailer that is presented with guarding them. And so as they, as they move into this jail and they're and they're secured verse 24 says he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in stocks. But then verse 25 about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now the rest of the story says that the jailer overheard what was going on and and he thinks that everyone has has escaped and he's about to ready to commit suicide. But Paul speaks up. He stops him and says we're all here and the next thing out of the jailer's mouth is what must I do to be saved? And he too receives the name of Jesus and the spirit comes to him and, and he receives salvation and he receives freedom. He goes from being suicidal and having no hope, to having the hope of the name of the Lord. And I find this fascinating. I try to put this picture in my mind. They have been flogged, they have been beaten, their backs were lacerated, they were tired from traveling and preaching, their joints were probably achy, and I think they're huddled together. They're huddled together, and about midnight, they're praying. And the prisoners, the other prisoners, they're they're listening. And what do they hear? Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote a sacred head for a sinner such as I? I don't know that that's the hymn they sang it probably wasn't but it's one we know and we could sing and in a very dark and deep deep dark sin sin filled moment when they are oppressed they're praying and singing hymns to the Lord no wonder the other folks were listening in the jailer when when he awoke he thought they were gone he thought they everyone was gone and he attempted suicide Listen. He had no hope. He had no hope, but Paul and Silas had hope. They had hope in Jesus. That's why they could huddle together and sing and pray because they had hope in Jesus. Their situation, from everything that looks on the outside, their situation was much more stark, was much more grave than the jailer. But he's the one who had no hope, while Paul and Silas had hope because they had Jesus. Listen. Can I I tell you this? Listen real carefully now. People will be drawn to the peculiar joy and hope that comes from us as we serve Jesus Christ. There should be a very peculiar joy and hope in your life because of Jesus Christ. If you're lacking the joy and hope that comes from Jesus, the only thing I can tell you to do is revisit the cross, revisit the empty tomb, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you until you regain that joy and the hope that comes from the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you so much that he went to the cross to die for you. Well, judge compassion by the cross, and he has the power to overcome anything. Judge power by the resurrection. Listen, I find it really interesting in this this passage that we that, that you might turn over to Philippians chapter 4 this is taking place in the jail cell in 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 the church at Philippi and at sometime later sometime later Paul would write the letter to the Philippians and this is a verse of scripture which many people claim as a as a life verse or it's a verse that's this plastered on uh well maybe an eye patch as you play the game of football but it's it's a verse of scripture that you see all over the place Philippians four thirteen. Philippians 4.13 says, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Or maybe you learned it in a different way. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's a great verse. What it doesn't mean is that all of a sudden you can bench press a little bit more than you did yesterday. It doesn't mean that you can run a little bit faster or hit a home run a little bit harder. It doesn't mean that, that, that you can do those types of things. Look at it in its context and remember now Paul and Silas sitting in the prison cell singing the praises of the Lord, and let's read a little bit more. Verse 10, Philippians 4.10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but I lacked the opportunity to show it. Now look, verse 11, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. Whether I'm in a jail cell, having just been beaten and flogged, or whether I'm standing in the middle of the Aragapis, preaching proclaiming the name of Jesus to polytheists, Paul says, I've learned how to be content in the Lord. He also wrote, Paul did, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. I wonder if that idea was in his mind as he was huddled there in prayer. And he's he, he doesn't know that the Lord's about to deliver him. He doesn't know that he's about to share the gospel with the jailer. But does he think about that as he writes that passage? He says, I remember a time that Paul and Silas, that uh, that that my buddy Silas and I were, we were captured, we were beaten, we were flogged, we were put in prison. But there was that jailer. We got to share the gospel with him, and his whole household comes to know the comes to know the Lord. All things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. But back to the jailer specifically, he rushes in now. What must I do to be saved? and they share with him. Verse 31, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your whole household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. Lydia, after her heart was opened, she opened her home. As we keep going here, we see verse 34. He brought them into his house, set a meal before him and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household sorry verse 33 as well he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds Lydia had her heart opened and then opened her home the jailer had his sins washed away and then washed the wounds he too became generous he washed the wounds of those who had been imprisoned now the rest of the story Paul shows some brilliance here I had a professor who said that he believed that Paul might have been the most intelligent man to ever walked the face of the earth, apart from Jesus Christ. He shows his brilliance because they want to secretly escort them out of the jail. He says, "Ah, uh-uh, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. You see, what you didn't uh, find out yesterday is um, we're Roman citizens, and we were beaten and flogged and imprisoned, and it's totally, really, it, it's against the law what you did. We're Roman citizens, and so we're not going to slip out of here secretly. You're going to have to parade us down Main Street." That's according to the BJV, but you can read it in your you 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 can read it in your translation. Um, and so the magistrates, they had to they had to confess what they had done, and they quickly escorted them, not just out of prison, but out of the city as well. To be ushered out of the city. Today we looked at three rescues or three salvations what's interesting to me is that they are three different backgrounds on these people Lydia represents those who, well maybe those who appear to have it all together those who, their life just seems to be going really well everything's in the right place many of you know that I, I spent some time in Mexico as a, as a missionary and one of the things that one of the Mexican students told me there, said is, you guys are, are very important as you come here because of this, just this. You're from the United States. You may not think you're wealthy and that you you may not think you have everything, but you're from the United States, and a lot of the people here think they've got everything they could ever need, they've got everything they could ever want, and if you say, I need Jesus, then they're going to look at you and say, well, what am I missing? If you're from the United States and you need Jesus, what about me? That was from one of my, my, my uh, buddy's own mouth. If, they, if you say you need Jesus, they'll be intrigued. Well, look, from Lydia, sometimes we can put on appearance of having it all together, but truth is, I don't think anybody's got it all together. <laughs> but if you've got Jesus, if you've got Jesus, your eternity is secure. We have hope. Then the slave girl, I believe the slave girl represents what is often called the least of these. The exploited, those that are enslaved, those that are impoverished. Just quickly, right now, as, we, as, as, as you think about who that might be in our world, if you're not aware of at, Atlanta and the sex slave trafficking that takes place in Atlanta, it, it's a hub for human trafficking. It is an absolute hub in the world for human trafficking. Um, I don't have much more to say about that, but I would encourage you to research it and understand. You can look at the End It movement. End It movement. I want to make sure I clear, clarify where that is. End It movement. We want to end slavery. It's still taking place in our world. Just down the road one of the highest traffic cities in all of the world, Atlanta. But then also, also I think about people like, well, I hope this picture is clear. Look at, look at Maria. Look at Maria. I don't know if you can see that. Maria is from Columbia. She's four years old. Months ago, my family and I were looking at what it would take to sponsor a child. And so... Maria is our sponsored child. We spent we send some money each month to Compassion International, and she is fed. She's get clothes for school. She she goes to school. She's taught the Bible. She's taught things about, um, you know, uh, she she's going through the school. Uh, man, I should probably go to school. She's taught subjects to, she she's learning. Uh, she's medical needs are provided for, and that's just one small thing we can do better someone else's world but i think of the slave girl and i think of the least of these what can we do to reach out what can we do to reach out to those who are in need and i think of the jailer and this might represent most people that we know it might there's nothing spectacular about him but there's nothing really detrimental either he kind of comes somewhere in between the slave girl and lydia Maybe, maybe we live paycheck to paycheck. Maybe we've got a little bit stored up for a rainy day. Generally speaking, our, our kids make us proud. You know, our, our family doesn't really go without. We've got a nice place to call home, nice place to lay our head at night. And, and as long as nobody really yanks the rug out from under us too hard, we're all right. We're all right. Three different backgrounds of folks here. But listen, there's a universal appeal to the gospel. There's a universal appeal to the gospel and a universal application of the gospel because regardless of where we find ourselves associating more with Lydia, more with the slave girl, more with the jailer, the truth of the matter is all of us are sinful and in need of a savior. So my question to you this morning is where are you? Are you proud and need to humbly turn to Jesus? Are you enslaved to sin or some demon? that you just can't seem to shake or maybe you're just too comfortable everything is just right you're so comfortable with your life right now you'd have to think a long hard time about the last time you've really done anything significant for the kingdom do you find yourself associated with any of these or do you know people that might be associated with any of these but hold on just a minute There's some other characters in this story. These are three people who turned, who heard the name of Jesus, and their their lives were changed. But in this story as well, we have the businessmen who got upset because of the loss of profit. We also have the magistrates who would not accept the message of the church. And for all we know, for all we know, they never accepted the message of Christ. They rejected the gospel. And listen, I have to tell you, that's a valid response. That's a valid response. You could hear the gospel and refuse to accept it. You could hear the gospel and, 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 and turn in repentance and saving faith and experience the joy and the hope and the peace and the freedom that comes in Christ, or you can hear the gospel and continue on like the magistrates and the businessmen never repented who never tasted the freedom of jesus where are you today what is your response let's pray lord i want to thank you for this this chapter and it talks about these different folks who came to know jesus christ and lord the truth is there probably were very many more people but luke chose these three stories to illustrate for us i believe that it illustrates if nothing else there's a universal appeal to the gospel because there's a universal sin problem in our world for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and Lord there's nothing that we in and of ourselves can do about it not a thing and the wages of sin is death so all of us are destined to hell apart from the saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ thank you for sending him and Lord I pray that We would turn in repentance and experience the freedom. I can't imagine what that slave girl experienced when the demon left her. The freedom, the joy she experienced. I can't imagine what it was like for uh, that jailer to experience the freedom. In one moment, no hope. Suicidal. In the next moment, understanding salvation. I say I can't understand that, but Lord, to a degree I do. Because I too am a sinner apart from Jesus Christ I'd be destined to hell but I get I get the joy and the freedom the life that comes because of the cross and the resurrection speak now may we listen not just with our ears but with our hearts let the Holy Spirit move in this place may we respond it's in Jesus' name I pray I ask you to stand we're going to have a time of commitment time of dedication right now for you a time to respond however it is the Lord may be leading you if you want to pray with me I'd love to pray with you if you want to come to the altar it's open or maybe it's something that the Holy Spirit is working on you and right there in your chair but however he's leading you respond as we sing this last song together yeah. You for uh, joining us this morning. It's been good to worship in the house of the Lord today, right? Amen. I want to ask now if you would be seated uh, for just a moment. Uh, If we have,